Brilliant. Wow. Wow. What a morning. What a morning. Um, it's one of those mornings sometimes where you think, I'm not sure I just want to touch that. God's really been speaking. It's amazing. But it's, uh, it's great. Do you all have a good Christmas? We're great. The front row had a great time. Sorry about the rest of you. Um, but uh, it's great. It's a new year, people. You know how I like a new year. Do you know, I love the new year because it's so full of potential and I've not yet had any time to mess it up. So, so things are good right now. Pippa asked me this morning, how are you doing? I, mean, I am great because there's so much potential and I've not yet messed anything up. So it's great. And it's a new decade. Ten times the fun, people. Ten times the fun. So I'm properly uh, excited, uh, but particularly about what I feel God has been speaking to us about, speaking to me um, about in this very first part of the year. And uh, part of that I shared to you in the worship as we, as I just brought that prophetic word that I felt the Lord so clearly give me, actually in my very first quiet time of this, this new year, uh, God spoke really clearly uh, to me about it. And so over these past four or five days, I've just been kind of allowing God to solidify that in me and, and see what it is that God has for us as a, as a church. And so what I want us to do, what we're going to do this morning is unpack some of that, um, what God has spoken and, and, and squeeze it for all its gooey goodness. Okay, that's what we're supposed to do with the prophetic word. You know that, right? You don't just listen. You're like, let's just squeeze it and get all of the, the, the godly, gooey goodness out of it. Everything that we can get. And, and so I'm going to read it again. But I want you to just uh, think about it as, as, we, as we read. Now, when God gave it to me, I had to go and look some things up. So I understood what they all were, because I'm not a mechanical engineer. Um, so fulcrum was a strange word to me. It, it wasn't something I would use every day. Um, and if you don't know what a fulcrum is, a fulcrum is a, a pivot point around which a lever turns or something that plays a central role in or is in the centre of a situation or activity. All right, so a seesaw, the bit in the middle is the fulcrum. All right, that's the bit in the middle. And uh, you can also use it as a lever, okay? And so what is a lever? A lever is a simple machine consisting of a beam or rigid rod pivoted at a fixed hinge or fulcrum. A lever amplifies an input force to provide a greater output force, which is said to provide leverage. The ratio of the output force to the input force is the mechanical advantage of the lever. Did you like that, Keith? There we go, the engineers are, amen, hallelujah, we thank you, Jesus, for mechanics. It's wonderful. But the reality is if you move the fulcrum closer to the load, yeah, it magnifies your effort. And if you move the fulcrum closer to you, it diminishes your effort. Now, I don't know about you, but I like the sound of magnified effort. You know, I like, I like that. And then we reach this word that, that was in, in, in the prophetic word that God said about a tipping point. And there could be certain circumstances in a situation where what they call a tipping point occurs. A tipping point is the crucial point in a situation, process or system beyond which a significant and often unstoppable effect or change takes place. 
Now, I'm liking the sound of magnified effort and unstoppable change. That kind of appeals to me. Maybe it appeals to some of you, but I like the sound of that. So why don't we just listen again to what it is that God has said. Now we understand a little bit more uh, about some of the words and phrases that's being used. I'm moving the fulcrum, says the Lord. In the past, much force has been required to make a shift, to overcome or to break through. But I'm moving the fulcrum because this is a tipping point year for you. I'm moving the fulcrum for you so much bigger things can be moved with much less effort. Moving the fulcrum means that the tipping point of breakthrough has also moved. The tipping point for miracles is moving. The tipping point for healing is moving. I'm moving the fulcrum. And so where in the past breakthrough was hard, where heaven seemed closed, where huge effort was needed to break into that place of encounter and open heaven, it will now be easier. I'm moving the fulcrum. The tipping point is moving. This is a tipping point year. This is a year, says the Lord, where ones and twos become fives and tens. You've measured in ones and twos, but I say to you this year, in this new decade, the tipping point is moving, so you will measure in fives and tens. After which I'll move the fulcrum again until your fives and tens become twenties and fifties, and over time, your twenties and fifties will become hundreds and even thousands. I'm moving the fulcrum, says the Lord. This is a tipping point year. Now, the more I pondered that word, the more I researched the things in it and understood a little bit more, the more convinced and excited I've become. And so my sermon this morning is called Tipping Point. Uh, And before we get into that, let's pray. I think we need the Holy Spirit to come and meet with us and bring revelation this morning. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here. We just thank you for the magnificent way you have allowed us to encounter Father God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, how you have manifest the presence of God amongst us. And now we ask, Holy Spirit, would you germinate that word into our hearts? Would you bring revelation and deep conviction, Lord God, that we might know your ways and walk in them? Lord, that we might know what it is you have for us, that we too can not just sing of your faithfulness, But Lord God, we can be faithful with the word that you have given us. Lord, knowing that it won't fall to the ground, but Lord God will accomplish all that you've uh, determined for it. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, there are many parts of that prophetic word that particularly interested me, but one particular part uh, really kind of caught my attention. And that was the part where God said, I'm moving the fulcrum so that much bigger things can be moved with much left effort. And the fundamentals of a lever are if you move, as I've said, the fulcrum towards the immovable object, you gain a mechanical advantage that allows you to move immovable things with little or no more effort. And in the spirit, our Father is moving the fulcrum to give us a spiritual advantage. He's positioning us to be able to move mountains by him moving the fulcrum. We've got a picture coming up. Is there one? Great. So 
In the spirit, he's moving the fulcrum to give us this mechanical advantage. And that's how we get to move mountains. So if you look at that, that picture, and now you consider this. Matthew 17, verse 20, Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Nothing will be impossible. How can that be? How can faith the size of a mustard seed move a mountain? Because God has moved the fulcrum. And in doing so, he's given us a spiritual advantage. And this whole analogy is, is wonderful because actually it still requires our involvement. We are contributors to the process. We're not the major contributor, but a contributor nonetheless. And without our contribution, nothing moves. we still have to contribute our mustard seed of faith to the process. God can move the fulcrum. He can give us the advantage, but we still have to contribute our own efforts, however puny we think they are. In fact, the size of the contribution is not the important part here. The most important part is the position of the fulcrum. But regardless of its position, it still requires some measure of force at our end. And this whole thing is a wonderful paradox and mystery that Father God has determined that he will work not just with us, but through us. His strategy is that through us, his church, his wonder would be on display. He's determined not to move the mountain until our puny mustard seed is placed on the end of the lever. He's moved the fulcrum so our efforts are magnified. And in my picture here, the five kilogram ball can only move the hundred kilogram ball because of where the fulcrum is. If it were even a little bit closer to the five kilogram ball, nothing would happen. And folks, we must not give up because our previous efforts didn't work because the fulcrum was in a different place then. He's moved it. So what didn't work before, what was unfruitful before or what was even somewhat fruitful before will now become extremely fruitful not because we're doing more, but because he's moved the fulcrum. Not because we're trying harder, but because he's moved the fulcrum. And as I was kind of preparing, I really felt the Holy Spirit speak to me about some of you. Not by name, you'll be pleased to know. but I feel the Holy Spirit is putting his finger on some of you who think that their contributions are too puny to be of any consequence. You look at things in the church that you'd like to do and you disqualify yourself because you think your gifts are too puny or insignificant. 
You've been thinking that maybe your efforts or skills or education or whatever it is, is insufficient. Maybe you feel like, well, I've given it my all in the past and nothing has happened. I've poured myself out and nothing has happened. Maybe for some of you, you've considered the size of the circumstances before you and you've considered it in your strength and your strength to move it and deal with it. And you've determined that your strength and your effort is too insignificant. Some of you have even tried letting go and letting God. And that hasn't worked either. Does anybody resonate with that? Going once, going twice. You're brave enough to stand wherever you are, if you can. Be amazing, because we're going to pray for you. God's going to speak. He's not pulling you out to make me look good. I look good anyway. <laughs> He's pointing you out because he wants you to encounter him. If you're nearby, if you just stand with them, lay hands on them as we pray. I just, I really sense that God is moving the fulcrum for you. He's moving you, moving it towards your problem towards your circumstance, towards your immovable object. And now he's asking you, add your faith. Add what you've poured out before that hasn't worked. Add your, your faith, however insignificant or puny you think it may be, because he's moved the fulcrum. And if you add it, it will move this immovable object. And so, Father, we ask, Lord, would you bring courage and faith to go again? Would you bring grace to go again? Would you bring grace to bring courage to place whatever little we have on the end of that lever, Lord, so that you might do something amazing, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well done. Please be seated. So moving the, the fulcrum, is a, it's a God thing. And we respond with our mustard seed of faith and our puny effort. That's our thing. That's our part. That's what we contribute to the process. But there comes in the process a tipping point where God then responds again in a way that is totally out of our control. When this happens and heaven opens and we start reaping where we've not sown, we see a multiplication of the supernatural a multiplication of healings and miracles and breakthrough and salvations, we, we, we reach a tipping point. And that's something that God does. And remember what I explained, the tipping point is the crucial point in a situation, process or system beyond which a significant and often unstoppable event or change takes place. That's what God does. This is totally a God thing, not something that we can force or make happen, but we can contribute to it as we place our mustard seed of faith on the end of the lever and then leave the tipping point up to God. And God has spoken to us this morning. This is a tipping point year where ones and twos become fives and tens. You've measured in ones and twos, but I say to you this year, in this new decade, the tipping point is moving. So you will measure in fives and tens, after which I'll move the fulcrum again until your fives and tens become twenties and fifties. And over time, your twenties and fifties will become hundreds and even thousands. 
And as I've pondered and prayed through this, ones, ones become tens, twos become twenties. It reminded me of when the Lord spoke to Moses um, and he spoke to the people of Israel in Leviticus when he says this in 26 verse 8. He says, five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase 10,000. Now the maths of this makes no sense. Five will chase a hundred, which for the mathematicians amongst you will know is the same as saying one will chase 20. And if that were true, then it would mean that a hundred would chase 2,000, not 10,000. It makes no sense unless God has moved the fulcrum. Normally one would chase one if you're smart and feeling a little bit brave. But if you move the fulcrum, one can chase 20 and five can chase 100. And if you move it again, then 100 can chase 10,000. It's amazing, isn't it? And this is how in the providence of God, our same efforts mean that the ones or twos become fives and tens. And the fives and tens become twenties and fifties and so on. Not necessarily because we work harder, but because God is moving the fulcrum. Now, just to say, if you're not doing anything, if you're a spectator at Lifespring, a consumer of church rather than a contributor, then you do need to do something. This whole thing works in the providence of God by us putting our puny contribution on the lever, be it a mustard seed of faith, a tiny regular offering, an hour of your time or whatever, but we have to contribute to the process. Whatever it is, we still need to put in effort. But by the Holy Spirit, the fulcrum has moved and multiplies exponentially our efforts. Let's take a, a deeper look in that passage in Leviticus and get its context and see what else we can glean from it in terms of this prophetic word that we're looking at. The context in Leviticus 26 is, is that God speaks to his people prophetically through his servant Moses, just as he does today through the prophetic. And he, he, this is what God said to the people through Moses. Verse three, if you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you the seasonal rains and the land will then yield its crops and the trees of the field will produce their fruit. Your threshing season will overlap with grape, the grape harvest and your grape harvest will overlap with the season of planting grain. You will eat your fill and live securely in your own land. I will give you peace in the land and you'll be able to sleep with no cause for fear. I will rid the land of wild animals and keep your enemies out of your land. In fact, you will chase down your enemies and slaughter them with your sword. Five of you will chase a hundred, a hundred of you will chase 10,000. All of your enemies will fall beneath the sword and I will look favourably upon you, making you fertile and multiplying your people. And I will fulfill my covenant with you and you will have such a surplus of crops that you will need to clear out the old grain to make room for the new harvest. I will live among you and I will not despise you. I will walk among you. I will be your God and you will be my people. And so God calls here to his people about 800 years or so after the curse, telling him, them to fulfill his decrees and commands. And for us, this side of the cross, we're free from the law, but we live instead under grace, which empowers us to live godly lives in Christ. 
And it's not therefore that we are called to live a life measured by keeping decrees, but by uh, uh, being measured by grace working in us that produces Christ-likeness. And by living like this, God promises in these verses that, that those same things will apply to us. Under grace, in Christ. And we see in these verses that Father God is expressing His desire to see mankind fruitful and multiplying. Actually, as I've, as I've read this passage, and those of you that are around towards the end of the, the, the year when I was talking about what happened in the beginning, this passage, actually, if you look at it in relationship to the curse, it's talking about the reversal of the curse. It's incredible. And what we see is God expressing his desire to see mankind fruitful and multiplying. That was God's commission to Adam and Eve, to walk free of the curse was his desire. We see it here, where instead of the land withholding its produce, it yields its crops and its fruits. And we see this phrase in verses 5 and 10, your threshing seasons will overlap the grape harvest and your grape harvest will overlap the seasons of planting grain. You'll have such a surplus of crops that you'll need to clear out the old grain to make room for the new harvest. And so Father's desire here is for us to live in the goodness of Jesus' victory on the cross where he once and for all reversed the curse. And these verses give us a glimpse of what that looks like in some measure at least. There's an abundance in terms of their harvest, in terms of peace and freedom from fear. There's a, a clear tipping point in terms of overcoming their enemies where five will chase a hundred. Now, sadly, you don't have to read very far on from these chapters to see that the people of Israel didn't follow God's decrees and commandments and therefore never came into the fullness of what was promised. However, there is still hope for us today because some 500 years or so after this point, God spoke again to his prophet and he spoke to Amos and he made this prophetic declaration. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the ploughman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. The mountains shall drip with sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. It sounds a lot to me like your threshing seasons will overlap with the grape harvest and your grape harvest will overlap with the seasons of planting a grain. You'll have such a surplus of crops that you will need to clear out the old grain to make room for the new. Don't they sound the same? So God is renewing His promise to us, His people. And the prophet Amos declares again that days are coming when the ploughman shall overtake the reaper, where the harvest overtakes the planting. He's prophesying a tipping point, a critical point where a significant and often unstoppable change takes place. When that happens, it's like a chain reaction that can't be stopped and just continues to happen. I imagine that's what revival looks like. The harvest, if you're unsure, is a metaphor for salvation in Jesus, for people finding eternal life and coming into relationship with God. Let me show you. Jesus confirms it in John chapter 4. He says this, You know by now the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and their fruit, um, the fruit, 
the harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants, another harvest. And it's true, I sent you to harvest where you did not plant, others had already done the work. And now you will get to gather the harvest. And I believe that that's what God is saying to us, to Lifespring now, today, is that He's moving this fulcrum until we reach this tipping point of fives and tens. Ones and twos becoming fives and tens. And then, and then He'll move it again. Each time, increasing the results until there is a chain reaction, a tipping point that will happen almost by itself. Now, when we launched Lifespring a year ago, just mentioned it, 6th of January 2019, I spoke about mission and vision and values that we felt God had spoken clearly to us about Lifespring and what we needed to do. Everything we do, our vision, our values, all stems from the fundamental of our mission that God had given us, which was to make authentic followers of Jesus, to love Horsham and advance the kingdom. We're to make authentic followers of Jesus. That includes helping those who already know Him to be more like Him, but also to introduce those who don't yet know Him to Him. And on that Sunday one year ago, I asked anyone who was a Christian or wasn't a Christian a year before to raise their hand, anyone who became a Christian in 2018. And there were like one or two, two or three. And church, we've achieved so much this year together and we are so thankful. I trust you are thankful. We're continually amazed and grateful for all that God has done with us and through us. We never want to lose that sense of awe and amazement and thankfulness. But neither do we want to become complacent or forget what God has called us to, which is to make authentic followers of Jesus. And some months ago, we asked you to take a survey so we could measure how we're doing, how things are going, how well we're doing, how not so well we're doing. And it was great, but one of the things I often wondered about is regard to the harvest of people brought to eternal life that John brought about. How are we doing on that? And so I wonder if I can ask that same question again. Is if you weren't a Christian this time last year, So you became a Christian in 2019. Would you give me a wave? There's anyone. Can I see one? Thank you. Wonderful. Two. I'll take two. Yeah, get excited at any point. And we are so grateful. It's good to applaud, to get excited. That is wonderful news. We want to celebrate what God has done. We want to celebrate you. But church, we're still in ones and twos in terms of seeing that harvest of salvation. Now, I trust as you you looked at those hands going up, there was a a rise of faith and excitement. But I hope too there was a rise of a holy discontent as well. Not an ungratefulness for the hands that did go up. We are so grateful but an unwillingness to be content with the status quo of just seeing ones or two hands go up. This year, says the Lord, where ones and twos become fives and tens. You've measured in ones and twos, but I say to you this year, in this new decade, 
the tipping point is moving, so you will measure in fives and tens. The tipping point is moving from those ones or twos to fives and tens because he is moving the fulcrum. But remember the system that God has designed. It needs our input too. He moves the fulcrum so our effort is magnified, but we still have to do our part. We still have to be part of the process. God's not going to do it all for us. In Luke 10, Jesus says this to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his field. Now, Father is setting us up here. He's setting us up for success by moving the tipping point, but he's also setting us up to pray to send workers into the fields when the answer, when God's answer is us. So he wants us to pray to send more workers and then declares, that's you. You're the answer to your own prayer. Be careful what you pray. You're the answer to your own prayer, send more workers into the field. You see, unlike when God spoke to Isaiah, when he said, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? He's not asking you that question. He's already decided who he's going to send, who it is that's going to go on his behalf. It's you. You're the answer. He's told you to go and get on with it. Look at the next verse, actually, in that same passage. So Jesus says, the harvest is great, the workers are few. Pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. Now go. Now go. Remember that I'm sending you out as lambs amongst wolves. We are to go. Now, it doesn't mean to go somewhere else, but actually Go where we are. Go in your school. Go in your workplace. Go in the school playground. Go to the coffee shop. Go where, where you're going already, but do something. The mustard seed of faith, you've got to put it on the end. The puny piece of effort but you bring to this divine process to go and make disciples. And in the economy of heaven, in the wisdom of God, he has determined that this is how his kingdom will come on earth by you and me going and doing something. And Father God is speaking to us today about him moving the fulcrum, changing the tipping point around the salvations that we see. He's moving us from ones and twos to fives and tens, even twenties and fifties and beyond, but we still have to bring our tiny offerings to put on the end of that lever. Whatever those seemingly insignificant things are, they could be a puny packed lunch of loaves and fishes. It could be a widow's mite or five smooth stones from a stream. Could just be a little flour or, or oil, a jawbone or even an old stick. But just as God has used each one of those things to move something massive or create a tipping point which changed everything, so too will he use you with what you bring? And I want to just take a moment now for us to just self-reflect and ask, so why don't I do it? And I believe that there's a, a fear that God wants to break in many people this morning. When you hear someone up here going, you need to go, you need to speak, you need to tell people about Jesus. There's a mental agreement 
There's, there's an assent, but actually you don't because there's a fear that wells up at the thought of talking to people about Jesus. People fighting with the thought of the fear of ridicule or not being informed enough, not knowing enough, not being able to answer the questions that people might ask. Is there anyone, anyone brave enough to say, that's me? God's going to speak. I feel like Father's just impressing that your testimony is all you need. That's all you need to put on the end of the lever. Because your fear doesn't match up to what God's saying. The harvest is ready. It's ripe. And yet the enemy's tactic is to put fear into the workers so they don't go into the field. God's moving the fulcrum and ones and twos will become five and tens. But you need to add your whatever it is. You may be thinking it's a puny testimony. I often feel mine is. Brought up in a Christian home, loving parents, still together, led me in the ways of the Lord. No brainer. Not much of a testimony, but it's enough. It's enough to put on the end of that lever and watch immovable objects move. See, the, the, the harvest is ripe. It's not questioning. It's ripe. When something's ripe, it just comes off the branch. You just touch it and it's off. You know, you don't need to get into the argument that says, get off, get off, get off, get off. You just need to put your testimony on the end of that lever and God will move it. So Father, I pray, Lord, for everyone that stood Everyone that's now wishing they stood, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you meet with them? Would you fill them with courage, Lord God, to just know that it's enough because you've moved the fulcrum. Our testimony is enough. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Wonderful. Well done for standing. Please sit down. And so I believe that this prophetic word is very far-reaching for us. And I don't believe actually it's necessarily just for us, but something that God is going to do in us that will ripple out much further afield. Father God's going to do something wonderful with us this year and through this next decade if we choose to cooperate with him and continue to bring our mustard seed of faith and do our part. He's moving the fulcrum. He's changing the tipping point of salvations. And if we continue to bring our little mustard seed of willingness to go, then we can see the ones or twos become the fives and tens. And as the decades unfold, the fives and tens becoming the twenties and fifties and beyond. And I believe too that if we're willing to bring our mustard seed of just having a go, Bring your mustard seed of just taking a risk. Then we'll see breakthrough in the supernatural that Father God spoke about too. Moving the fulcrum means that the tipping point of breakthrough has moved. 
The tipping point for miracles is moving. The tipping point for healing is moving. I'm moving the fulcrum. And so where in the past breakthrough was hard, where heaven seemed closed, where huge effort was needed to break into that place of encounter and open heaven, it will now be easier. I'm moving the fulcrum. The tipping point is moving. This is a tipping point year. Now, if that doesn't send shivers down your spine, make your hairs on the back of your neck stand up and your heart's skip a beat, then you may be dead. (laughs) So would you just please turn to the person next to you just to check, because we have a very robust health and safety policy here, and it would be, you know, not wise of me just to make sure no one's died um, while I've been speaking, making sure you're you're still breathing. God's saying that he's moving the fulcrum, and so We're going to see more salvations. We're going to see more encounters with Him. It's going to be easier where breakthrough's not so far off, where heaven is open and healings are more frequent, miracles more commonplace. And if you're a Christian and unexcited and unmoved at the prospect of those things, then please come to the front at the end and and we'll happily raise you from the dead. (laughs) Seriously. If God is moving the fulcrum and this tipping point of breakthrough is moving, then God's saying that breakthrough is not going to be so distant, where heaven is easily accessible, where healings are more frequent and miracles more of an everyday occurrence, then we need to receive that with faith as we do this whole prophetic word. And to receive it with faith means we have to do something. Faith isn't a viewpoint or simply a a cognitive acceptance of something. It has legs, it has actions. Otherwise, the Bible tells us it's dead. James 2, 17. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It's dead and useless otherwise. We have to put something on our end of the lever. We can take what God has said, we mix it with faith and then we do something with it. We can't make it happen, that's true. But as I've already said, we do have to contribute something towards the process. And God is moving the tipping point for miracles and for healings and and that's wonderful, truly it is. And when we hear that, we we can believe it, we can even have faith for it. We may even pray for it to happen and implore God to do and bring about what he has said. But God has set a mechanism and a process in place for it to happen that requires our input and it requires our involvement. Trust me, as I look in the mirror every day, I would have chosen another way to do it. And if you could see what I could see right now, you would have chosen another methodology as well. But his ways are not our ways. He uses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise and the weak things to shame the strong. And so in his unimaginable wisdom, he's put a mechanism together for breakthrough in salvation, in miracles, in signs and wonders and healings where we contribute something to the process. Whenever Jesus sent people out to demonstrate the kingdom and to show heaven on earth, he always told them to heal the sick. Sometimes he said to raise the dead too and cast out demons, but we'll just take baby steps. But at a very minimum, 
He was to heal the sick. Matthew 10, 7, he said, Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons. And in Luke 10, 9, he says, Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near. See, I don't believe we're going to see revival without the supernatural. We're not going to see more salvations than the ones or twos apart from us demonstrating the kingdom. We are to reveal the king of the kingdom. And yes, we are to proclaim the kingdom. Yes, we are to talk and tell of the kingdom and be ready to give an account for the hope that we have. But mostly we are to reveal the king of that kingdom, to show them Jesus. And we do that by healing the sick and raising the dead and casting out demons. See, I want the account of the hope that I have to rest on my personal encounters with Jesus through the Holy Spirit, on my knowledge of my adoption as a son by my heavenly Father and through seeing and being part of the miraculous regularly. That's what I want my hope to look like. That's what my account, I want that, wouldn't you like that for your account? So what's the account of the hope you have? Yeah, I know who I am in Jesus I know that I'm adopted as a son of the Father and that manifests as I pray for the sick and see them healed. And today, Father God is speaking to us about him moving the fulcrum and creating a new tipping point in the supernatural, specifically in healing. It's totally in line with Scripture. It's totally in line with how Jesus operated and totally in line with how Jesus commissioned both the 12 and the 72 when he sent them out to declare the kingdom. Jesus' commission each time looked like him telling the disciples to go and then what? Them going. If you want a blueprint, that's what it looks like. Jesus says, go, they go. So when Jesus says to us, go, we go. Great, you're getting it. So the point is, is that they had to contribute to that process. Their going was their contribution. And if God's moving the fulcrum and creating a new tipping point in healing, then we have to contribute to that process. Our contribution isn't getting sick. Our contribution is laying our hands on the sick and commanding healing at any and every opportunity. There's a famous quote that says, the more I practice, the luckier I get. And I think we can apply it here as well. Does God heal everyone I pray for? Well, not so far, no. However, a true fact is, the more people I pray for, the more healings I've seen. And yes, God is moving the tipping point but it still requires us to do our part and lay hands on the sick and declare healing. And whilst the ratio of healings may well improve because God has moved the fulcrum, even so, we need to do our part and contribute to that process by laying our hands on them and commanding healing. And I believe actually the unspoken part of this prophetic word uh, is about the tipping point for revival where this critical point in the situation comes, where it becomes so significant and therefore unstoppable change takes place, where it becomes out of our control. 
However, this isn't a sit back and let God do it word. It's a conditional word, actually, from God. Although it doesn't explicitly say, if you do that, then I'll do this. But the picture God has painted, the language of this word is one of a lever, where our contribution is magnified based on the position of the fulcrum. And God is saying that this is a tipping point year for us and he's moving the fulcrum to position us for that. But we have a contribution to make and without it, nothing can come about. And so therefore, there's a condition on this word based on our response to it. The contents of this prophetic word aren't isolated from each other either. The miraculous is not distinct from the salvations. In fact, the order of the word was supernatural breakthrough first and then the increase of salvation. Now that said, I don't feel that that is that binary. I think it's all interwoven. It's not binary in terms of this happening and then that happening. But as they happen together, as we contribute to the whole by speaking of Jesus and demonstrating his kingdom, we will see the breakthrough. We will see that tipping point that God is promising. And I believe that God is calling us, Lifespring, you and me, to not simply a significant year, but a significant decade. This word will unfold this year and and, and through this decade, I believe, if we cooperate with God in it. And I want to ask you, will you join me? Will you join us on this adventure? Will you add your contributions, however puny or insignificant you think they are? Will you contribute them to this process that God is calling us to? Will you bring your gifts, your resources and your time? And as we add what God has given us, I believe that we will see what has been immovable in the past move. What's been closed will be opened. What's been difficult will seem easier, not because we're doing too much different, but because God has moved the fulcrum. Are you in? Are you in? Amen. Wonderful.